Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland, presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. And as so often has been the case in the last, oh, two weeks of episodes, that marks the cheery peak of this episode. Uh, we are here, of course, to talk Cubs. I'm Brett Taylor. That's uh, Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney is back with us from his vacation. We were joking before we started recording that, uh, well, you know, you should just share the anecdote, Mooney, about like right before you left and what you have returned to. Yeah, I mean, basically, Sahadev and I were talking about, you know, for uh, a little bit, like a story about logical targets for the Cubs, what this starting pitching market would look like, some historical perspective on moves they made like in 2015, even 2016, the kind of smaller incremental moves to get better. So I wrote, I don't know, like 800 words and kind of left the Google Doc in Sahadev's hands. Uh, the Cubs throw a no-hitter against the World Series champs at Dodger Stadium. Uh, and then the next morning, you know, I delete Twitter, uh, the Twitter app off my phone. Uh, go on, you know, kind of first vacation since basically like Christmas 2019, first real vacation. And yeah, did not see just an epic collapse coming. I mean, come, I literally, that was kind of my lead to my story today of like, I don't know, the last time I saw David Ross, you know, they were in first place. Uh, he was upbeat. <laughs> Uh, tied for first place. They're talking about we're talking about them as buyers, and you know how. And it's not like, by the way, it's not like you've been on vacation for like many years no, yeah, or yeah, multiple yeah. months. <laughs> I wasn't like cryogenically frozen, like in a lab somewhere. Like I just went to the Jersey Shore for a week and just came yeah. back, and it was just uh, I mean, just reading Sahadev stories and like some of the Slack messages. I mean, just uh. It would be surprising if stuff like this hadn't happened to the Cubs almost every year since they won the World Series. <laughs> I I might drive, well, so I drove to and back from Cincinnati this weekend, and and on my drive home, I was really hoping that Patrick like had truly disconnected, like had not even like not even gotten like semi updates, and he just like showed up back in Chicago, and all of a sudden was like, what? What's going on? Like, you know, those stories of the people that that were off in some far remote island when the pandemic hit and then they come back and they're like, what is this world that I've come back to? That's Patrick returning to his Cubs world and just being like, dear Lord, it's in shambles. But it's, it's like it was, the I mean, the Cubs the are always days. big, but this is one it's, of those deals where like even just watching the NBA finals on like the bottom line of ESPN, like Cubs lose again. Cubs lose again. Cubs love like it was inescapable. Um, just how the bottom fell out for this team. Yeah, the Cubs losses were the zombies that uh, Mooney woke up from his twenty eight days later, <laughs> and it was like, what the? What are all these things ambling around? Uh, and obviously, I'm sure you, you've you've caught up. It wasn't just 
10 losses in a row either. It was like there were some really, really spectacular losses mixed into there, uh, including last night, obviously the Cubs opener against the Phillies after just having been swept in Cincinnati in maybe more mundane fashion than, than that Brewers series. Uh, Cubs uh, taking an early lead in every single one of those uh, Reds games and ultimately dropping all of them. They took an early lead again last night, actually, against the Phillies. That's five straight games that the Cubs had the early lead, and most of them wound up not particularly competitive. And what was, I think, the most jarring thing to me, and this this might be just me that it's sticking out to, but you now have four straight games where the Cubs got serviceable or better starts from the starting pitchers. You know, four in a row where it was like, okay, good, that's what we want. And they lost all four. And given that that was the thing we talked about the most for so long, and obviously we've started to turn that page in the last, you know, two or three episodes about the other issues that are obviously facing the Cubs. But when they get into a stretch where the starting pitching like shows up and they still continue this losing streak, that for me was as much confirmation as anything else throughout this process that like, okay, it's time. And I, and we can, we'll talk about that now, but for me, the, um, you know, I mentioned earlier, you can't treat every game. I think Jed Hoyer echoed this. You can't treat every game like a referendum on the decision to buy or sell. You have to sort of look at the whole. And and this isn't that. You know, it isn't like I watched the Cubs humiliate themselves last night again, losing by 10 to the Phillies and said, OK, that is the information that I needed to say they should definitely sell. It's an accumulation of things over a period of time. But I will say that last night was the tipping point for me. It was the, okay, yep, I'm confirmed. I now know for sure what the path should be regardless of what happens. You know, we I'll set this up and kick it over to you guys. But we have talked for a bit and each of us have written and about the idea that the Cubs long past the point where buying early made sense. Uh, being any kind of aggressive to buy early because not only of where they were in the standings, but just sort of like how the team was projecting for the second half. But at the same time, because of the nature of the market, because of the guys on the roster, because of the that sense of, well, you never know, we felt like waiting until the All-Star break before making any kind of decisions was, was the proper path. And I'm, I, I guess I'm not quite throwing myself under the bus to say I was like totally wrong in that. But like, who saw that? I think I, I said that at the start of that Brewers series. Well, okay, I'll be honest. I did not see three more losses and then another sweep at the Reds and another embarrassing loss to the Phillies to take it to 10 straight. I didn't see that coming. And so for me, I'm there now. I think whatever value you can get from setting course as of today, the Cubs should. They should declare themselves as sellers and start that process, even if the market isn't developed yet. But like, just take that. That is your path. Go. That's my position. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's hard to deny that now. I, I, I'd kind of accepted that. Uh, you know, I, I think I needed to see some life when you can't get your offense going in Cincinnati against that bullpen. That's a major concern for me. They There was a lot written about, oh, the Reds bullpen is, is stepping up. No, no, that's not what <laughs> happened. The Cubs offense has broken once again. OK, this is this is their reality. We've seen this. Dozens of times since 2018. This isn't anything new if you follow this team. You know 
what they're capable of as far as lows on offense. So this isn't this isn't anything new here. I, I think there's a couple things uh, I want to touch on. First of all, yesterday's game I think is something that uh, both Jed and Ross have been talking about in the sense that you see 13 to three and you think, oh, what's with this pitching? No, the pitching is trying to get the job done. It's in their heads that they need to be perfect. They think every single time, every single run that they give up is another. That's way too much. That's way too much pressure on them. They know that every run is too much for the offense to come back from. So when it's a two run lead, that feels like a dozen. And, and that's a problem. And, and the guy, yeah, Cole Stewart probably has issues uh, throwing strikes in general, but I think he felt like he had to be perfect in those moments and he was throwing below the zone. I, I think that's a lot of other pitchers are going through that. Uh, I mean, there's there's definitely some blow ups that were waiting to happen. Right. I think Winkler. I can't even remember if that was yesterday or in Cincinnati anymore when Winkler had a tough outing. Cincinnati. OK. And, and Winkler had a tough outing. Right. These things are going to happen. They were inevitable, but it's all kind of happening in this one stretch. Uh, ultimately, for me, it's the offense. Right. The offense seemed to be fixed in May. And I thought, uh, you know, and I, I kind of harped on that. Like, you know, this they need these types of hitters there to kind of change this lineup. And I do believe that that's an interesting little thing that we learned. But I thought Jed made a great point. You can't have a, a couple guys go down and then your all-stars are still there and, and they just can't produce any offense. Like, you can't just go to nothing like this when you have your stars on the field. And, and he's right. And, and I think he was also tipping his hand that you need to change the mix here. He knows it. It can't work anymore. It's time to change something. Whether they were winning or not, he had he he he'd felt this, right? We'd all felt this for a while now. And I think uh, it was easy to say, ah, there's the solution in May. But no, no, you can't just take away Matt Duffy and and, uh, and Nico Horner and then say, oh, well, well, they're they're gone. So you can't expect the all stars and MVP candidates to carry this team. No, that's exactly what you need to expect. When when things get rough, you want the superstars to carry them and they haven't been able to. It's just not that type of offense. And it hasn't been for a while. So. Uh, yeah, I think it's a perfectly acceptable for whatever your breaking point was during this ten these ten games. I think if there were people that were, I mean, you should have been expecting good things. They were tied for first place, but at some point during these last ten games, if you're still clinging to hope, hey, more power to you. You're more optimistic than me, and I've been pretty optimistic my entire life. But this, this, I don't know how you can survive this and say, yeah, they they can still go on a run. The schedule is weak, but I think when now when teams see the Cubs on their schedule, they they think the same thing. Yeah, I mean, this is nowhere close to the middle ground that would have forced Jed Hoyer and uh, his much smaller baseball operations staff to make difficult decisions on what to do. I mean, this is just painfully obvious right now, and I'll admit I didn't. You know, I think as we were doing this podcast in the off season and spring training, none of us would have been shocked to see the Cubs like a game under five hundred heading into you know the last series or two before the All Star break. I mean, that was kind of a logical outcome when you look at you know trading you Darvish and the modest moves they made. It's just that I was also wrong only you know a week or two ago when I was saying and writing you know it's not logical thing. The Cubs are just going to totally collapse and another team in the central is just going to catch fire and run away with the division. And I was you know, flat out wrong there. I mean, that has proven 
uh, to be the case. And it's hard to not look at this and just be like, this is not working. And I don't think any kind of rational Cubs fan or Cubs employee is looking at this like, you know, we should, you know, really bring bring these guys back together. Like, I think it really – I think side of you called it a franchise-altering road trip, and I thought that was not overstating it uh, at all because, you know, this idea of them coming back together and figuring it out – like, they're not going to start figuring it out, like, in their early to mid-30s together. Like, change – has to happen and that's something that we said years ago and this has been a you know as great as they were as surprising and entertaining as 2015 was and as magical as the 2016 world series was i mean this is becoming a pattern now, whether or not 2018 was a collapse they definitely faded down the stretch and didn't come through in the biggest moments you tip your hat to the brewers but a nine game losing streak at the most important time of the year in 2019 uh, an offense that scores one runs and at home, two playoff losses to the Marlins. And now this, though it's late June, early July, this was their, like, you know, Super Bowl. This was when they yeah, had to perform. Yeah, this is the perform. end of the season. Yeah, I mean, yeah this, this is, is the, the – Exactly. The, this is crunch time, and they've absolutely failed this test. Yeah, I think you both make excellent points um, that that are just important to keep in mind at the background of everything that – has happened the last two weeks and that is coming now. One is that we can't forget that we entered into this season on the default position that the Cubs were going to be right here selling in July. And that's not because we, that's it's not whether we dictated it or not. It was just watch what they did in the off season, watch the messaging for two years. And it was like, they've been waiting for the opportunity to sell for multiple years now. And when you're trading away, you Darvish <clears throat> in a pure sell move in the off season. And then you're adding guys exclusively on one year deals. And you're being very parsimonious with what you do to address the needs of this team. It's clear you're setting up for a sell off at midseason, And yeah, may, may certainly gave all of us pause. And I would include the Cubs in that in terms of like, okay, what's the right approach, but we're just back to the default now. So there's nothing you shouldn't be shocked by any of that. And then Sahadev makes the great point too, that, um, you know, when, when Jed Hoyer is conceding that the loss of, um, not there, there's, you know, Nico's more important than complimentary, but like complimentary, yeah. complimentary to this core right now, uh, lose you know Duffy and Horner and your key star players don't step up and you're seeing that and you're seeing the dude in charge of making the decisions pointing that out at the precipice of having to make those decisions right having declined to extend these guys that was also part of what mentioned earlier with Patrick's point that like selling is the default when you're not extending these guys but I think that he he and the team have together made it clear what needs to happen this month. And that's not, you know, it's, it's kind of, it reminds me and we'll transition to this too. Cause I want to talk about Jake Arietta for a minute, but it reminds me of, of this reunion with Jake Arietta this year. Um, nothing that happens with him this year is going to take away from what he did in 2014, 15, 16, 17. Um, that was just a fantastic and enjoyable run. Some, some of the highest highs that, that, any Cubs fan will see in their lifetime. Um, but that doesn't change the reality of what needs to happen now. And that's how it is with this entire Cubs group. And I think that while I'm not going to treat this stretch as like, oh, 
now I as a fan, I know you guys have slightly different perspectives on this, but I speak of the emotional attachment to some of these players on this team. I'm not going to say, okay, now because of this stretch, I am ready for the Cubs. They should trade Javi Baez. They should trade Anthony Rizzo. They should trade Chris Bryant. It's, it's more just that I am being reminded that there was always an impermanence to this thing. And when these guys weren't extended, one way or another, it's going to come to a close. And so we all, I think, have to confront that this month. And the Cubs are going to have to confront, okay, what's the value, the marginal value of keeping some of these guys and the qualifying offer? And maybe you resign them in the offseason. What's the fan attachment? What's the value to the organization versus what can we get in trade if, if maybe we have some of the most interesting guys available on the market that could be viewed as rentals? Um, I think all of that stuff is going to come to a head in the next few weeks. And I don't want to belabor it now because, you know, now that the course I think is charted, we're going to have a lot of episodes to, to get into the nitty gritty of that stuff. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What I actually want to do is transition to tonight's starter for the Cubs, uh, who is, is, in my view, it's sort of half surprising, half not, that he's even getting another start. And that's Jake Arrieta. He gets the opportunity to face his old team with his old team at Wrigley Field. And I think in hindsight, the Cubs, even after that, just beyond the pale implosion in Milwaukee, which came after a stretch where he was unfortunately literally the worst starting pitcher in baseball. I think the Cubs were always going to give Jake Arrieta another start at Wrigley Field in hindsight, both because of the things that we've talked about. You wouldn't, there's not immediately a guy that you'd replace him with. Um, but also because you just want that opportunity to him to come back one more time. Um, but I think uh, I would be very surprised if no matter what, if he's in the rotation coming out of the all-star break and I I'll use that as a hook to tee up anything you want to say about that stuff, but then also to point out what you wrote, Sahadev, which I think is a very compelling storyline, which is okay. If the Cubs have a suddenly opened rotation spot, leave Trevor Williams aside for a minute. What can they do internally that's interesting both for the near term and for, you know, gathering information for the long term? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, they're they're contemplating this. It's more than contemplating it. They're discussing how they're going to execute it exactly. And that's getting Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele starts stre- stretching them out. I mean, that's what Steele's doing in the minors right now. Uh, I don't know how many pitches Thompson threw yes last night, but uh, you know, I, I think the <clears throat> ideal thing would, <clears throat> sorry, the, the ideal thing would be for hey, him it's, to it's go emotional, down. buddy. Yeah. Right. Buddy, I, I understand. It's, it's the end of an a era. Little... Uh, <laughs> but it, it's, the, I think the ideal thing would be for them to send him down and stretch him out as well. Uh, and this, this could be done in various ways as far as how they want to make it work. Do they want to have them both pitch on the same day and they eat each three to four innings, you know, ideally, or, uh, or do they, you know, have three or four inning starts from them uh, over the course of multiple days? Uh, is that, uh, you know, I, I think they're kind of seeing that that's that's something that's going to happen every 
fifth day anyways, right? So why not have it be done by guys that are learning how to be starters in the big leagues, right? May, try and make this transition. Jed kind of talked about how he loves doing the breaking pitchers in via the bullpen, and, and it obviously hasn't had that opportunity in the past. We haven't seen them develop any pitchers, so we don't know their strategy uh, for how they break pitchers in. I just That kind of just hit me. I was like, oh, he loves this, huh? Okay. And it suddenly just hit me. It's like, oh, we... I, I wouldn't know that he loves this because yeah. it's been yeah, a decade just, John of no Lester pitchers. In like 2006, that was great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What well, can I say? Time. When I read that in your piece, Hot, I was like, "Well, that's interesting. Oh, is that like, uh, you know, a divergence from Theo Epstein? Because we we didn't see that <laughs> yeah. when Theo Epstein was in charge. That's fascinating." Oh wait, we we didn't see it because like there was literally no opportunity yeah. to see it. <laughs> so, I mean. Well, Jen Jen Ho Seng got a, got a, didn't didn't break in through the bullpen, did he? Uh, <laughs> uh, he was in the bullpen for a bit. I, okay, you know, there there we go. Didn't I don't know that anything <laughs> transitioned from there. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I I I I completely agree with you, Brett. This is a this is a compelling storyline. I'm I'm really curious to see how it works out. I think that both looked, uh, you know, obviously Steele. It's been a little while since we've seen him because of the injury, but I thought he looked dominant in the pen. Like this is a an interesting weapon, and if you're competing, that's a really uh, really nice piece for David Ross to deploy in various ways. Uh, throughout the season and in the playoffs obviously that's not happening anymore but he's still a part of this future and you got to know what their roles are I think in either whatever role Thompson and Steele hold going forward I think they're they're pieces of the puzzle for the next winning Cubs team right if you're going to put together a winning Cubs team it looks like those two could be a part of it right they're not the ones that are going to be traded right now uh, so you want to find out what their ultimate role is, kind of like what we're discovering with Alzali. I think it's really fascinating how how Alzali has looked. I think it, his last outing was a great step forward. It, I'm having trouble remembering details because all I remember are the losses now, but he went seven innings, right? Uh, and Yeah, and he also yeah. um, dramatically increased the usage of his changeup. Which is which, huge. Um, he needs to. Huge. It wasn't very successful. No, but, but you got to start using it's it. what he's got to do. It's part of this development track for him. He's got a. I talked to Hadavi about this. Uh, Ross kind of defended his guy and said, you know, I'm more concerned about uh, him getting his mechanics right, blah, 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 all that good stuff. And he's right. He needed to get that right. And Alzali did, it looked like. But there's an issue with him facing lefties, right? So Hadavi said more change up usage and actually four seam usage. And I think, I think that's true. You, you, he's got four pitches that are really good. I think that can be plus at times a change up. He's kind of lost the feel for it Cause he hasn't been using, uh, but the, he's got the slider. He's got a two seam fastball. Start mixing in those other pitches. Let's see how good he can be. I mean, what this is, what this is what we're looking at. Now we got to figure out what they have in the pitching staff, and then they're going to reshape this offense. And if they're going to be winners, it doesn't need to be that long. It, I know everybody said the rebuild is beginning. It better not be a rebuild. That's unacceptable. This team can't rebuild. They need to do what the Yankees did in 2016. And and granted, the Yankees aren't looking great in it right now. I think this goes back to uh, Theo's. Theo has has had some pretty uh, key quotes over the years. One was <coughs> one. No, he didn't cough like me. It was uh, one was the offense broke somewhere along the way. Right. That's. Uh, that's been a theme the last three, four years. 
and then it's we just got to be right and that's that's the key going forward jed just has to be right and and nail some nail some trades nail some free agents and and this team should be winning again very soon if they're not then that's on the front office for not uh, putting together a team that that can win uh, quickly because there, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to get some pieces at this deadline and then spend again soon to put out a winning product. I don't know if that'll be 2022, but if they're losing in 2023, that's that's a failure in my mind. We give the Cubs pitching infrastructure a, a lot of love and uh, for a lot of good reasons, but I mean, this is you know a real indictment of the organization's kind of philosophies and systems when you bring back a Jake Arrieta years after the Cubs thought he was uh, at the beginning of a decline phase of his career. And the fact that he is continuing to make starts when he's been, as Brett said, what, like the worst starter in the big leagues um, is a sign of just a lack of depth, internal competition, uh, you know, you'd think that there'd be guys kind of breathing down his neck, ready to take that job away from him. And um, for whatever reason, you know, and there are probably some good reasons uh, that they feel a sense of loyalty to Arietta and kind of looking at their roster, at their depth chart, they're not like blown away by uh, great options here. And I think when Arietta signed, we could all see a certain logic to it of, you know, the relationships he has uh, with the, the coaching staff and, and the front office and his teammates. If he gets healthy, maybe he adds a little veteran presence and, you know, either he pitches well and the Cubs surprise people the way they did uh, kind of at the beginning of Arietta's first tour of duty here, or he pitches well, but the Cubs do what we all expected and he becomes a trade chip at the at the deadline and then kind of the third rough outline of a possibility was that he just didn't have it anymore. And I think it's pretty clear it's been uh, door number three here and it's going to be just a really awkward ending for a guy who just had an unbelievable uh, run with the Cubs his first time in Chicago. I mean, this era of Cubs baseball doesn't happen without Jake Arrieta uh, transforming into a Cy Young Award winner uh, and the guy who won two World Series games on the road in 2016. But uh, that pitcher, that moment in time was was fleeting, and I don't think we're going to see it uh, tonight at Wrigley Field against, I believe, Aaron Nola, right? It is. And that's the irony oh, about the place where the Cubs are right now, that you uh, want nothing more than him to have a great send-off, right? But if he has a great send off, it's like, oh, we'll give him another start, you know, so there's not really going to be a, a great way to handle this. And so if the rotation holds, he actually would start tonight and then he would start the first half finale on Sunday at Wrigley against the Cardinals. You know, again, kind of it feels like a natural nexus point, both because of the break, but then also because of the trades that are going to be happening, the roster reshaping. And as I mentioned, because certain guys are are already kind of in the process of stretching out. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Arietta does end up getting both of those starts tonight and on Sunday, but I would be very surprised if he's still in the rotation coming out of the break. Um, I think we'll leave it there for now. The Cubs have three more games in this series against the Phillies and then three 
hosting the Cardinals to wrap up the first half. They are right now a game under 500 for the first time since uh, mid-May when they were in fourth place. They are right now just a half game ahead of the Cardinals for fourth place in the Central. Uh, I don't think anyone would be shocked if those spots get flipped by the time the break arrives. Um, and if, uh, you know, if, if you're interested in history, the Cubs are up to 10 game losing streak. Uh, the uh, longest within a single season for the Cubs in franchise history is 14. That uh, was the start of, we were talking the late nineties season where just, just the worst kind of miserable that they, when you start 0 and 14, it's like, well, Season's over. <laughs> uh, at least it wasn't that, the, the, right? We had May. We had a little the bit of June. The next season was great, though, right? So you can That's always uh, spin was it, it 97, that way. so then 98 was, yeah. yeah. So All right, well, then. It was a fun season you, for Cubs fans. Folks, you heard it here. If the Cubs can <laughs> get up to 14 games in this losing streak, it guarantees a wild card uh, berth. Or better. Let's, let's leave it open. Or better in... Uh, 2022 and justin so, Steele will strike out 20 guys in a, <laughs> in a start. uh i'd watch that i would watch that so thank you but just don't throw a no hitter because the cubs if they throw a no hitter they are immediately forced to go on a 10 game or more losing streak <laughs> yeah. so uh thank you all for listening this is on to waveland it's the cubs podcast as you could tell from this we'll still have good stuff to talk about this month and beyond, because I think even as the Cubs lose and if they fall out of completely out of contention this year, I still think there's a lot of fascinating stuff about the state of the organization and where things are going from here. So I actually there's a part of me that while I still want to see the Cubs win, I also am pretty intrigued by where some of the discussions could go from here. So we look forward to sharing that stuff with you, uh, not only later this week, but uh, also the rest of the season. So thank you all. Hope everyone had a safe and healthy and happy 4th of July weekend. And uh, make sure you're rating, reviewing, subscribing, all that good stuff on this podcast. Read Sahadev's and Patrick's work at The Athletic. Read mine at Bleacher Nation. And we'll talk to you again soon. Take care, all. <laughs>